The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hello and welcome back to the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Max Carlin. Max, how's it going? Doing alright, Ben. How are you? I'm doing well and once again, we are joined by Petey Webb for part two of our discussion on the Minnesota Timberwolves. So Petey, how's it going? It's going well. Thank you guys for having me. As sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, BetOnline.ag. Major League Baseball will soon be in full swing, and there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection. He'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling. Visit BetOnline.ag to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back sports bonuses. Bet online, your on your online wagering experts. Anytime. So last last time on Monday for for y'all, we talked about uh, the Timberwolves, kind of their current situation, uh, outline their core um, optimal fits, um, you know what we see for them in the future. And today we are going to talk about what they can do with their number one draft pick in order to you know maximize that core and, and continue pro- progressing so i think we're just going to discuss uh some of the guys that we think uh they should take into that number one spot yeah so f- i think the thing that has to be said first is if they can trade back they should trade back yeah uh, absolutely we're not going to waste time on that we don't have any insight on potential trades they could make i, I don't even think it's necessarily that realistic um that they're actually going to do it uh but they should they would be able to get a player who fits far better um, and would like, it would be really, really stunning if they didn't get positive value uh, in any trade back. Um, They almost by default would. Um, With that said, let's get into the realistic options for them to select at number one first. Uh, And I think that the guy who is either the favorite or co-favorite to be the number one overall pick is Anthony Edwards. Uh, PD, how about you? You give us your take on Anthony Edwards to Minnesota, number one. So, yeah, Anthony Edwards is uh, a big uh, either primary or combo primary, depending on how you see it. Um, Hyper explosive, um, capable of looking like an all star, and then uh, a guy who's uninterested on back to back possessions. Um, The game comes extraordinarily easy to him, both in terms of moves, in terms of feel. Um, and a guy whose numbers and impact aren't necessarily the same. Um, there are games where you don't necessarily notice him, and then he turns it on for five minutes and is easily the best player you'll see all year. Um, and then there are stretches where, you know, getting 15 points in a row or 15 points a game from him is progress because he is a player who is 
uh, peaks and valleys, and almost never that middle point of just consistent production. I I have kind of mixed feelings on Ant to Minnesota because on the one hand, I think that the idea of towns that we discussed uh, as a as a hub, as a guy who is involved in these off-ball actions as well, um, I think that's a great fit for the optimal role of Anthony Edwards, that he is a guy who we've talked up his cutting a lot, that we think that he could be a really, really impressive cutter, just in general, a really impressive off-ball scorer. Um, it's a skill set that he has, that he has these powerful and sharp cuts, that he has um, off the catch shooting, like that he, that he can attack off curls, that he can attack in these scenarios. Um, it's just a matter of sort of getting him to be more decisive in these in these scenarios. But but he has he has this skill set in place already, and I think that that's kind of where he's at his best because it mitigates some of his shot selection issues, his decision making issues, some of his tendency issues with actually uh, you know taking the initiative to get downhill as opposed to settling for impressive but uh not necessarily high efficiency uh step backs and whatnot um however defensively i think is where the whole thing kind of breaks down especially when you consider the timeline that minnesota's on where towns has what is it three or four years left after this under contract i believe it's three yeah so basically they have to turn this around quickly very 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 quickly um because if they don't, we're not far off, I would think, from Towns trying to force his way out. Uh, and defensively, I think it's going to be a long time until Ant Edwards is anything but horrendous. Uh, I think that at the point of attack, while he looks physically impressive, he has never gotten through a screen in his entire life. Uh, I think some of his isolation sequences are really impressive where he has the lateral movement and size and strength to really, really just embarrass guys. But you don't see it very often. Like you see him just blown by in those situations because he doesn't try. And then off the ball, which is where I think he would probably find himself if he's sharing a backcourt with with D'Lo, but I could be wrong about that. Uh, He's catastrophic. Like he makes the most unbelievable gambles you will ever see. Uh, He loses guys as you know as badly as anyone like he gets back cut all the time face cut all the time uh he's just a, a really a disaster right now and i think it's going to be a while until he's not on that end and i think once he is you know he could be that versatile point of attack guy who is a nice compliment to delo but it's just you're not working with a timeline that's that long uh and that's really concerning to me yeah i mean we talk about um Towns and Russell being a vulnerable pick and roll duo. Um, I mean, that doesn't even come close to the the team defense trio. That would be Towns, Russell, and and Anthony Edwards. I mean, again, I, I mean, I'd probably be skeptical of Edwards' team defense really ever getting to like positive level. But it certainly isn't going to happen in three or four years, I don't think. And that's just, I just don't think there's any tenable way you can really build a survivable defense around Russell Towns and, and Edwards. Um, you know, we talked about, you know, building around Towns is plausible last time building around Russell and Towns is, is very tough, but like, I think it's possible with just with three perfect pieces next to him, but with Towns, Russell and, and Edwards, it's just difficult for me to see how that defense really 
really finds any way to be anything less than atrocious. I mean, that's obviously just the the a real obstacle. You know, long long like thinking long long term. You know that that's less of an that's less of an issue. But for right now, that that is the option that would be really troubling. I mean, offensively, I mean, as Max was kind of talking about, I don't hate the fit at all. You know, we've talked about. I think Ant. You know, it's been lauded t- talks about recently how you know Ant for better or worse has really you know been been kind of the guy on all of his teams, uh, and whether or not that's worked is important. But he's never really played. Uh, with anybody close to the level of, of, of Talon's, you know, not even just his goodness in general, but relative to, comp- to competition level. He's never had, you know, a star like Talon's to, to play off of pretty much consistently. So I think that I'd, I'd be fascinated to see how Edwards wiring and his, and that, and that can change and evolve playing in a situation where he has an offensive megastar uh, and another, like all things considered, pretty solid offensive player next to him. Uh, where you know maybe he can get be more focused as a cutter and you know more focused as when he does catch, being more decisive, being being more relentless attacking the rim uh, instead of settling. Um, yeah, because I, I think I mean the wiring is is really just the thing with Anthony Edwards that if if you can't fix that, then he's probably never going to be a really successful NBA player. But I think getting him in a situation where he just can't do as much. Is probably the beneficial uh, for for the development of that. Where if he can really be in a restricted and specialized role early next to two other really good players, that that's kind of ideal for him and kind of a unique situation among a lot of number one picks. Um, that you know a, a lot of them are you know asked to run offense heavily, be thrown in the fire, and I think a lot of other teams, you know, if if they landed number one and took Edwards, that would kind of be the situation he falls into. But you know this this. While I have my concerns, I, I do think there's there's room for this to work um, in like the medium short term. I mean, I think short term it's going to struggle. But so, PD, do you think that as far as like a rewiring of Ant's approach goes, that Minnesota is a spot to do that, um, where they could put him in a role where he's playing off towns playing to an extent off of D'Lo and it can just be like you know you are forced to make quick decisions like you are going to either shoot off the catch or you're going to attack you're going to attack um off this town's off ball screen like do do you think that this is a, a spot conducive to that so I think that in a lot of ways it's actually one of the better locations for Ant and also in other ways I think it's one of the worst um one of the ways that it's better is that um like Ant's never had to coexist before really um not on express not a holy spirit certainly not at georgia and i think that for a lot of players like we emphasize reps and freedom um when they need to explore what they can do the problem is that, like ant's been able to do anything he wanted to since he was like 16 years old and so for him it's more of a refining process um like because he's so like ridiculously talented um it, the ways that I think it's the worst is that, like, the the Timberwolves are going to have three very difficult energy-intensive uh, restructurings that need to happen at once. The first is teaching Towns how to – or getting Towns to be, you know, multiple at the spot of pick and roll and just be a better communicator uh, to orchestrate, you know, a, a defense that's playoff-worthy. Um, you have getting D'Lo to be efficient, which requires a great deal of scheming. And you also have, like, 
getting Edwards to simplify his games so that he can expand it later. Um, which is to say, like, you have this, you know, 11 feet of space. You can't go wider. You can't, you know, no matter what, like, you have to stay within this band or you're going to break up spacing. And I don't particularly trust the Saunders regime to do that um, because that's extreme. That's an extremely difficult job. Um, I think that we're really like everyone in general is really hard on Ant's defense because like a 25 percentile talent outcome for him is a very good defender. If he were 25% of his like just general abilities, like that's a good NBA defender. And for him to be like a bad college defender um, speaks to a lot. And it's, it's the ways in which he's bad. That's frustrating um, where he just tries to do superhero stuff. Um, like there'll be a good guard and he'll just reach late trying to get like a perfect rip to get uh, a pick six. And like if he had timed the rip earlier, it wouldn't have been as devastating, but he wanted to get like the one at the very bottom of the cross for like pure cookies. And there's just so many of these um, like little things of just sort of free form exploration and being in a world where like towns has to get a certain you know amount of touches. And you have to get this stuff to make the playoffs like, that impetus has never been there because, you know, every context for Ant has catered to Ant's development in a specific way, um, which isn't necessarily a fault of his. It's just that um, that's what it's been. In the same way that, like, for Melo, that's what his contexts have been. It's going to be interesting to see how he responds. And, like, Ant seems to be a wonderful kid who enjoys learning. But just having the ceiling on what you can do creatively, creative, creatively be like, oh, you have a top 10 player in the league. Like, they need the ball. You're going to come off the screen. Um, and Georgia, in some ways, prepared for him for that. I think 38% of his uh, at-the-rim finishes were unassisted because, you know, Kareen had him run off so many curls and, uh, you know, uh, Iverson cuts that if someone hugged close. It's just he's, in a way, been prepared for uh, for this role, and I think that it can be a really good fit. I would just like to see um, whether it's if Vanderpool gets, you know, the, the Houston job, like they need to pay – extremely large money to get out of entry there. Um, getting somebody who's going to really like scheme every single possession to a degree that um, none of these three guys have really had before. Um, and just making sure that there's a specificity about their weaknesses um, and a specificity of specificity about the growth plan that I'm concerned about. Um, not because uh, it's impossible, but just because that doesn't seem to be the track record of this particular uh, team. Yeah. It, it's frustrating because for all the reasons you listed, I, I do like it in a, in a scenario where they have all the time in the world. But the situation, the reality of the situation is that they're really, really on a clock. Um, and I just don't think that it's going to have enough time to mature uh, this like three headed core. Uh, if the pick is Ant, that I don't think we'll ever see that potential realized and that's that's upsetting but i just i kind of think that's the reality of it um i I don't know if you guys feel differently about that but that's kind of why i would shy away from from ant at one for them because like even though conceptually some of it makes a lot of sense i don't think you have the time for that to you know be manifested yeah um (laughs) Should we move on to the? Uh, I would say the other realistic option, which is Lamelo Ball. Sure. Um, um, yeah, Ben, you can get a start of it. Yeah, I'll say uh, Lamelo is 
presents some of the same issues as as, as Anthony Edwards in terms of short term uh, flexibility and defensively. You know, while while his problems for Ant from from Ant are, are very different, he's he's going to have a lot of problems defensively. Um, you know where what what Lamelo has on him and you know intelligence and just just being kind of a genius. He lacks in severely in frame. Uh, and physicality, which is going to hinder him early, especially on the ball. I think, you know, the off-ball stuff will come with him, just given how smart he is. Um, you know, I, I trust that. But on the ball, at the point of attack, you know, with having that backcourt with D'Angelo Russell, you know, trying to guard picking moles and stuff is going to be really, really brutal. Uh, but, th- but then offensively, and, and offensively again, I mean, LaMelo really hasn't ever been in a position where he's been asked to, do a ton off ball, at least not recently, you know, maybe going back to when he was like a 14 year old playing, playing with Lonzo and, and Leangelo, he did some of that, but that's, that's well in his past at this point. Um, you know, I, I do think that's probably not an optimal environment for LaMelo, given that I think the, the best world for him is one where he can run a bunch of high pick and rolls and just try stuff. Um, so I, I mean, th- though I think LaMelo is the best prospect on the board, and I, I think out of the realistic options, he, he'd be my pick for them just because of how I, I think he's, you know, kind of better than everyone else. And I think he he kind of fits, like, I mean, it's fortunate that they're, they're attached, you know, for this situation, attached to Russell as they are. Because I think a, a LaMelo-Towns kind of pairing is, is really, could be really, really nice with just LaMelo's, LaMelo's passing adding on being additive to Towns' skill and, you know, Towns opening up spots for LaMelo where he where he's, you know, the, the physical deficiencies aren't going to be as significant, you know, with, with Towns giving advantages. But but with Russell in the fold, um, that's problematic because one of them is going to have to work a lot off ball and having LaMelo play a lot off ball is just minimizing what he's good at. Uh, I, I still – I think I prefer him to Edwards. Those I think he's a better prospect, but, like – it's out of like those are like the two realistic options, and neither of them are that great. I think in in the short term, um, or in in the timeline that Minnesota's on, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. I think one of the appealing things with Lamelo is that there are kind of no illusions about what he is defensively. Like he's not going to be asked to be the point of attack guy because that would be really bad. So he will get a chance to to sort of be that disruptor off the ball. I just don't know if in the short term he's going to consistently be that enough. Yeah, I think in the and, long term he definitely can, but like Yeah, and I do think he's still more like playmaker than he is consistent like making yeah, sure. small rotations, small positioning choices, small stunts and whatnot that matter on a possession-by-possession possession basis. I think he's still mu- at this stage much more playmaker um, and, t- and takes a lot of risks to accomplish that. But it's just like I like um a like median level outcome for Lamelo where he is a linking type guy, but that's not what you're shooting for at number one, I don't think. Um, and I just think like fundamentally for Lamelo to be worth it, like he's got to be a high volume pick and roll player. And we just spent an hour talking about how that's not how a town's team should be built. I think. I think one of the difficulties with LaMelo's fit is that there's a lot of redundancy in the flaws of D'Angelo Russell on defense. Um, and he's skinny. Um, I think that in a lot of ways it can help to have a variety of 
different flaws for defenders. There's not a single way that a team can attack you. Um, but like LaMelo has technique issues. He has physique issues um, in the way that like Anthony Edwards is immediately going to be able to throw, like you can throw him on big wings at point of attack. Like it's physically possible and he's going to be able to hang because like he's built like a, a strong safety. If a strong safety were six, six. Um, so he may lack the, some of the like smaller technique stuff, but like, it's not going to be a, he looks out of place where like LaMelo in the short term, like it could get really messy, um, especially with like on ball defense. Um, I think that, it's just not it's not something that anybody would even try. Like Yeah. I mean, I just think that there are a lot of ways I could see Anthony Edwards as a shorter term plan than Lamel. Yeah. Yeah. Because there are especially on defense. Um the the other thing is though like there's not that much low hanging fruit in terms of shot selection for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um if you look at their shot chart, they take a really modern uh, approach, which is like, you know, threes and layups with like, they take, you know, about league average amount of corner threes. I think it's like 0.2 or 0.3 away in terms of uh, total distribution. They're just bad at them. Like they did not have a green area on their NBA sh- uh, um, shot chart. And uh, LaMelo isn't going to help that near one. And like, of course, all this analysis doesn't matter. If Carl Anthony Downs says, this is the guy I want. That's the guy who's getting picked. But like, if you need to make the playoffs to keep him happy and LaMelo may like may very well not be an impact player or even like a, a player who contributes to a playoff team this year, like you, you kind of can't pick him. Um, yeah. And I said, this is like a full, you know, person who in, enjoys the, the works of LaMelo ball, but like the political machinations behind this particular pick and what this year means for Minnesota can't be overstated. Yeah, I mean, when you draft LaMelo, there has to be an expectation that he's going to make mistakes, and there has to be a willingness to let him work through mistakes that I just don't think Minnesota can really afford, um, given their current timeline. I mean, it, it's just an unfortunate situation they find themselves in, because if they you know, had the ability, the confidence, they could cultivate Towns and LaMelo as a long-term pairing. I, I like that a lot, but... That's just not something they can realistically do, it seems like. I mean, that's what we've been talking about this whole time. Um, yeah, I mean, it's they're they're just in a really difficult spot at, at number one this year. I mean And it's not just a case of of like Lamello won't be optimized. It's it's that like without a doubt, two out of the three of these guys won't be optimized. And I I just I don't know what the plan would be if you draft Lamelo, like is is this a town centric offense is this the town centric offense that it should be or is it like a D'Lo pick and roll uh, centric offense or is it a Lamelo pick and roll centric offense is it like a, a Houston Lamelo and and uh D'Angelo Russell are taking turns and and Towns is a you know just shoot pick and pop threes and that's kind of it like I I I, I don't know what the plan would be like I I I mean, PD, how would you even go about like planning for a, a LaMelo pick on this team? Um, and your answer cannot be trade D'Angelo Russell. I mean, I, I think that, like at that point you need to start um, calling up like some really famous defensive minds <laughs> and uh, 
and trying to see what they could possibly give you. Because like that's the solution that I would have. Like you, you kind of at that point just have to ride the roller coaster. Um, I think drafting Lomelo automatically means you're on up uh, uh, an up pace team, and you're an up pace team who uh, is going to give up a lot of physicality. So like there's that's just the nature of how that rookie year is going to go. Um, you're going to have to live with you know uh, with wild fluctuating shooting. You're going to have to live with uh, mistakes and like to me picking Lamelo makes sense in the like go with a guy who you think is the highest ceiling sense, but it doesn't make sense on the day to day like what do you do in those film meetings kind of sense. Like it all seems good until you have to like actually be the person who diagrams like where the help side is supposed to be and like you're talking to like your three you know good your three best help defenders are for guards are Mello, D'Lo, and Malik Beasley. Like that's that's a um, a situation I wouldn't really wish on a lot of coaches that I may not like, um, and I think that that's one of the reasons they'll go away from it because this year is too critical. Um, and I mean, of course, they should trade down, like get another asset, try to pack, you know, get a stronger seventh man, and try to get to the four, five, six, seven, and then take a wing who will help but won't swing things. Like that's the difficulty of taking um, these sort of uh, unique pieces is that you have to then have unique team building and unique team building is generally a thing that should only be accomplished by, uh, or should only should be attempted by accomplished front offices. Because if you screw up once, like it's all over. If they screw up this pick, they've bet the house on like a guy who is like a sort of an all-star and whatever mellow turns out and they might just flush cat down the toilet. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're just, they're not in a position where they can build around around this pick like this this pick where i think that what 90 something percent of number one overall picks are guys who are intended to be built around this pick very much cannot be that like this is a guy who has to fit in around what they have in place and i think that's pretty unusual for a team picking number one over, number one overall because teams picking number one overall typically do not have a player as good as worth prioritizing and as um requiring of particular fits around him as Carl Anthony Towns. And then they've also put themselves in the position where they're committed to D'Lo, uh, which makes it, you know, sort of everything more extreme. Um, uh, if, if none of you, if neither of you have anything left to say on LaMelo, I think there are two more guys that could conceivably factor in at number one um, before we discuss some less likely guys. Um, do you guys have anything on LaMelo? Then, nope. So I think there are two guys that they could consider. Uh, and the first one is one that I most certainly would not consider just because I don't think that he generates that much impact. But I, I think it's realistic, and I do think he's actually a really good fit. Uh, and that's Denny Avdia. So yeah. Yeah. W- what do you guys make of the of the Denny fit if that if that's the direction that they go at one? I think it's pretty ideal, even if like I I'm with you on you know I wouldn't do it just because I think that like like I think you, at number one like even for a team as 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 fit needy as the Wolves like you have to take into account just general value. I don't think Denny is worthy of that, but like I, I mean it, it works really well. Uh, you know, defensively we, we talked about a guy who you know we need insulators for for Towns and Russell Denny you know theoretically has some of that weak side rim protection to to be an insulator you know stunting uh you know at, at the nail like we talked about as he's got a lot of the team defense stuff 
to to make that work you know to to be kind of like a four next to towns and you know whether or not the the shooting the shooting woes can be kind of mitigated a little bit by you know towns being an all-time shooter and then you know offensively i think it's a very good fit as well i mean talked about talked about wancho last time uh as being a relentless cutter denny's gonna be an even better cutter i mean he's an unbelievably good cutter uh, with just time and sense of space and fitting into holes, you know, and he's, he's going to be an awesome transition player, uh, a guy who towns can pass to a guy who can pass two towns, you know, uh, secondary pick and rolls, maybe mismatches in the post. A lot of things I think you can do with, with Denny's passing that are not, you know, running pick and rolls or having him create, which is, you know, the thing that he can't do. And, you know, the reason why he just, I don't think he's worth a pick this high, but you know, I think, in terms of like a complimentary forward, like he's kind of what you want uh, next to Towns and 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 Russell at this point. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's kind of perfect, and that's that's definitely what we were getting at with the Wancho thing. That like he's kind of the template, but Denny is just way better than him. If they were picking um, it like five, even like I could see it, but like. Exactly. It's, it's like not like like even if that would be high for me, like I'll, like I wouldn't bat an eye at that. But like it's just one. I just don't think you can justify it. Yeah, I just don't think that he generates that level of impact. But if you're talking about a guy who is like really a, a notably good cutter, um, who can play off of these advantage situations, who like who does get downhill, who can play make in those situations, and then who brings a lot of value as a team defender. Uh, that sounds a lot like what they need. I think that one of the problems with the team defense is that I, I think Denny is more of a interior uh, guy, like a weak side rim protector. Uh, and I think they, they need a guy who's, who's operating more in, in different areas of the floor. Uh, at, like, like Ben said, on, like on the nail, that sort of thing. I don't think that that's necessarily Denny's strongest. Uh, and I think they still need someone, you know, to actively cover for towns as well. I mean, I think, I think that's sure. Yeah. Well. No, yeah. that's that's it's definitely true, um, but yeah, I I think that the fit makes a lot of sense. It's just it feels like such a punt to do that at number one. Um, it, it's it's just yeah, there there I mean, is almost, there's just there's no chance he returns impact befitting a number one, even in an optimized role. Like, I, I just think that there's no way and that there are just without a doubt going to be better options uh, who we'll get into later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that he's one of the better fits from, from Minnesota's team building. I don't think it's one of the better fits from, you know, Minnesota's franchise building. Um, it makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. on the floor. Um, you know, the weak side run protection, just like defensive competence. Um if you're running a, a horizontal offense with a whole bunch of reads, like he's going to help. Um, I've always been a believer that he's going to shoot. Um, you know, uh, Spencer has that uh, 59 for 156 number from three outside of the final six seconds, and then 41 for uh, 107 on all catch and shoots uh, that aren't in the last six seconds of the shot clock. I've just never doubted that he's going to shoot, and this eliminates Denny's like actual biggest problem, which is advantage creation. Just like Towns in this theory, like if you're running this motion heavy offense, like all of the Towns' gravity and, and his creation ability will subsidize Denny's. Um, on the downside, you want to add more new types of free throw uh, concerns to this team. <laughs> yeah. um, 
I, I think this is like this is fine. Like it, it makes sense. It's like the least visionary thing you could do with this yeah. pick. Um, and like, yeah, it's like and, on the borderline of like being fine at this point. Uh, I, I, I honestly don't think so. I don't think. I think that there's just it's it's such a at this point. Like it, it, it's just there's no way that you get enough out of that pick from an impact from an impact standpoint for it to be at all worth it. And I think that there are yeah. such better options. I mean, I get why they do it. But. Yeah, so what I think is that if they trade back and they end up picking in like the five to eight range, that it's totally fine and would yeah. make a lot of sense. But it's just at, at number one, he's just not going to impact the game at that low. He's just not going to. Um, and, How do you think Hmm? Like, how do you pay him when his extension comes up? Do you pay him oh, like God. a number one pick? Or, like, yeah. and that's that's the like the reason why I could see this happening is because like that would just be a hilarious public negotiation to be like you picked him number one. They're like, yeah, to be our fourth option. Like, he's gonna yeah. you know have the fourth or fifth most shots on this team, and you know he's going to be a helpful piece. Like, I've been pretty obviously low on Denny because of how you know specific his fit fit needs to be. But this maximizes two out of your three players. This ma- this would help Delo, like most of Delo's problems. It would help most of Town's problems. And like it doesn't really matter like how much you maximize Denny. It just minimizes the things he's bad at. So like if if you're grading this as like plus plus minus, this is plus plus neutral. Like I think that there is um two like more fun picks that could be made, which we'll eventually get to. But like this makes this makes enough sense if you're like no Towns is good enough. If you think Towns is like probably like one of the three best players in the league, this makes a degree of sense. Like I'm gonna laugh at you when the extension comes up, but if you truly believe Towns is like that good, then sure I can understand that particular vision of the world. As sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, BetOnline.ag. Major League Baseball will soon be in full swing, and there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection. He'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling. Visit BetOnline.ag to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back sports bonuses. Bet online, your on your online wagering experts. 2020 has been the year of things happening that are completely out of your control. But there is one thing you can control, and that's shaving your bush. Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to remind you to do so. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost through body image. Their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology are designed to reduce nicks or tugs on your fellas down low. The Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and comes with an LED light so you can manscape in the shower, in the dark, or in a dark shower, whatever floats your boat. They also just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. In fact, listeners of this show will get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code armchair. It's time to grab 2020 by the horns by shaving that front trunk. Yeah, and so then the other guy that I think could conceivably factor in at number one somewhat realistically um, and I think has a far stronger case than Denny uh, is Isaac Okoro. Um, I think that he play would play off of Towns incredibly well, that he's, a, he's another guy who's a very, very valuable and intelligent cutter, uh, that he's someone when he's 
getting downhill um, off this movement would be really, really potent as a finisher and as a passer. Um, and yeah, then defense. Yeah, there's your foul drawer too. Yeah, there, there, there's your foul drawer. Maybe not your free throw uh, maker, but your foul drawer. Um, and then I think defensively he is pretty close to optimal because he can both do the point of attack stuff where necessary and brings a ton of value as an off-ball guy, um, as a team guy. So I think that he is kind of – I mean, he's not – You don't. This, this defense is not one piece away, but he is – I think a game changer for their defense, honestly, in that kind of no matter what they're going up against, he can slide into different responsibilities uh, and add an immense amount of value. And then offensively, I think that your optimized offense that gets the most out of your transcendent offensive player is one that Isaac Okoro fits in extraordinarily well. Yeah, I like it a lot because we because the this this conception of an ideal minnesota offense that we've been talking about fits in really well with the maximization of isaac Coro that we've talked about on this podcast before as you kind of need uh, an offense to commit to utilizing him um in a way that kind of mitigates his, his lack of spot up shooting uh in a way that you know allows him to get get heads of steam and have advantages just created for him and have other guys use their gravity to get him moving towards the rim. And in, in this in this scenario that we're talking about, Minnesota's kind of perfect there. And especially if they were to take him at number one, I mean they that that speaks to the, that would probably speak to their willingness to invest in him in his success offensively in that way and that, that they're going to involve him in more ways than just being a spot up shooter. So that, that that I mean offensively if he can fit there yeah I mean like I quickly quipped like there's your foul drawer like he, he like he's gonna be a free throw rate tank um that 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 kind of they, they don't have like the the strength mismatch punishing wing which he could be in time I think, I think that's an important piece that they're missing uh that they really lack offensively uh, how about inverting things offensively where Okoro is the big is like the screener and Towns is yeah, your ball oh my handler? God. <laughs> that that's beautiful. I mean but like teach Talents how to throw those lobs and like that that's a beautiful pairing right there for sure. Um I mean just defensively it's so good too. I mean, like you said, I mean maybe not as team focused. I mean Okoro is a really good team defender. I mean probably maybe not like he adds more POA than team, at least in the short term, I think, for them. Um, but certainly adds thads on the team. But side. It, I think in a way that would really help to mitigate the town's issues that like oh, yeah. Isaac Okoro, just like his Short screens, yeah. his motto is screens do not exist. Like that, like that is how he plays. They, they don't exist to him. And that can be when he's defending Kyra Lewis, or it could be when he's defending, it. maybe not the biggest of wings in the league, but, but like most of your, most of the creators in the league, like screens just don't exist to this guy. Uh, yeah. And that would be huge for, for protecting Towns in pick and roll. Yeah. I mean, aside from like Towns, it would be a full-time five, which is going to be a concern. To me, this is the bet on the other players that they've drafted, Pick and Carl. Because like you can, if you believe that Culver is still like a, a dribble pass shoot wing, that this was just a learning year as he gets away from um, the, the Texas Tech scheme and also like learns how to shoot in a different way. Um you can throw out some really wicked defensive lineups if you have a three-wing grouping of uh, Okogi, uh, Okoro, 
and uh, and Culver. Like that's that is a group that you can build around. Like and you can use that opportunity to just like hand D'Angelo Russell shots or Malik Beasley shots. Um, I think that it is uh, more interesting to me than than Denny, even though Denny like handles is going to do a lot more shooting. Um, just because this team really lacks the ability to finish at the rim. Um, and it also is going to allow um, some obviously po- more point Nazarene stuff with like, yeah, Cat is the ball handler is interesting. But if you thought about Cat Nazarene as the ball handler, <laughs> now we're really talking. <laughs> um, I think that there's like, they have enough really interesting offensive pieces that having a connector who is um, a legitimately great defender makes a great deal of sense. Like, yeah. Another really fun extension if they actually did this. Um, of course, what we're really trying to say is like, please trade down and, and take a pick that makes sense, um, which would be like, you know, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, but like, this is this is the sort of team building that would maximize like D'Angelo defensively and to a certain extent, like his lineup flexibility. Um, it would allow Towns. Um, to probably make more mistakes just because like a crow is going to communicate through literally everything. Um, it's going to offer, you know, the, the shot blocking help and it reduces Culver's expectation on wings. Um, so like there are going to be like more slender wings Culver can handle and try to take into their handle and the bigger wings, you know, even if a crow isn't enough to really like stop them, you have another wing to help. And like, that's where Culver being a guard defender will help because he's in the passing lane. So, like, it holds the theory of um, of the secondary players that you've drafted a lot more to me than Denny, which is more about just how good is Carl Anthony Towns. Um, again, you still have to run uh, a pretty inventive offense to to maximize a Coro. But, like, if Cat, like, has another shooting little bump, people are going to start blitzing him no matter what. Like, every pick and pop is a blitz now. And then we're into Isaac Acoro, four on three, um, hell on wheels territory. And like, and this is also a way to generate the corner threes that they need. But maybe like, if D'Angelo Russell or Malik is shooting that versus the, the players they had last year, like maybe that percentage goes from you know, a red area, which both corners were, to like solid. And that 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 alone, like just getting more value out of corner threes, maybe enough to to lift them into a different spot. Yeah, and and they also have um, what is it? Sixteen? Is that their their second pick from that college 17. trade? Seventeen. So yeah, I mean, look, seventeen. You get you get one more shooter. I, we'll say that they come away with like Des Bain at seventeen or yeah, <laughs> at at seventeen. And so you've got Towns handling and pick and roll with Okoro as the screener. They're they're blitzing Towns to get the ball out of his hands. You've got Okoro in a in a four on three, and the shooters around him are D'Lo, Malik Beasley, and Desmond Bain. And yeah. boom, there, uh, profit playoffs. Towns is staying in Minnesota. Everything's saved. So I really um, have to take Maxi at seventeen, probably. But yeah, Ma- Maxi Maxi would be would be really good there. I bef- uh, before they jumped, I wanted them to do uh, what was it like Maxi with the first pick and like Pat Will or some of the other guys we're going to talk about with the second pick. That would have been pretty awesome addressing everything but then they jumped up to number one and things got more complicated um should we move on to the guys who i would say there's no chance that they take at number one uh but i guess we think maybe they should consider um the first one talk about uh devin vassell 
Yeah, um, I'll, I'll leave this up because uh, I think this, to me, this is like the, the thing that I would do um, if I had to stay at number one is pick myself um, because he makes the most sense to win right now. Um, this is the plus, plus, plus scenario where it maximizes uh, Kilo, it maximizes Carl Anthony Towns, and it maximizes Devin Vassell, um, a person that I think has self-creation upside. It may be a sliver, but there is something there. Um, yep. He is a 40% shooter. He is going to be able to defend medium to potentially plus size, plus size wings, depending on strength and conditioning. Um, he is a hyper competitor. He is a rotational savant. Like the issue that they have on the wing is distinctly Devin Vassell shaped um, on defense. And then on offense, they just need shooters who are smart and anything else is a bonus. And I think that, you know, obviously when you bet on three and D at a certain point, you're actually betting on, on jumbo initiators. And um, he is somebody who has shown the proclivity to create off the bounce for threes and would have, his stats would reflect that more if um, they included long twos instead of just threes. Yeah. I, I think that saying that their hole in the wing is distinctly Devin Vassell shaped is a perfect way to phrase it. I think that that sort of our entire, um, claim that the like one of the main ways to insulate towns is by having an off-ball disruptor that was written with Devin Vassell in mind um like that that's who he is he is a special uh off-ball disruptor he is a guy who on top of that has the ground coverage that he can he can like he can cover for towns in multiple ways right like like Devin Vassell would have possessions where he'd be like at the nail he would he would like stunt at the ball handler to stop him, and then uh, there's like a pocket pass to the roll man, and Vassell is gonna get there, and he's gonna save Towns by blocking that at the rim because he's he's that special in in his instincts, in the way that he covers ground, uh, in the way that he applies his length. He's just a special special defender, and then yeah, offensively he just fits really easily, right? Like he's gonna shoot spot ups. Uh, I think he'll be able to hit some some off move stuff. Uh, in the short term, we're definitely talking one dribble pull-ups for sure. Um, and then, yeah, long-term, maybe maybe some mild creation. I think that he 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 has some ability as a cutter as well that would play well off towns. Uh, it's perfect. It's it's a pretty perfect fit. Uh, another guy that if they'd stayed in that like four to seven range, um, I that's probably what I would have been advocating for. But... I, they're not going to take him at one. I, I wouldn't hate it either. I think that he certainly has a better chance to impact the game at that level than, than Denny does. Uh, and I think he should get oh, yeah. much more serious consideration than Denny does because kind of kind of fits for similar reasons, uh, but I think it's just a lot better. Yeah, it's so good because, like, it makes so much sense for their short-term timeline, as, you know, we've, we've made clear, fills that massive gaping team defense hole, and then, you know, is – is going to add some value on offense, you know, without taking up usage. But then he also like kind of is a long-term bet too. Like, like with the, with the, with the shot creation and the, the noted potential for difficult shot making, giving, given the pull-up development this year. So it's kind of perfect for them timeline wise as well. Cause you know, let's short term, if, if things work out, then great. He's probably a reason for it. If they don't long term, then well, you have a potential upside bet in Vassell to fall back on. And I mean, I think that's part of why I'm so irresponsibly high on on Vassell in general. I don't think I don't think it's irresponsible to be ridiculously high on Devin Vassell. Oh, I, oh, I, I'm very, I think, oh, I'm oh, I'm really high on him. 
Yeah, but I I think that that I think it's like kind of irresponsible yeah. not to be honest. I won't say the, I won't say the number, but we we like Devin Vassell a lot here. What so, you have him like three or something at this point? Uh, yeah, I have I not two, not one. Okay, so yeah, I think that an important facet of of Devin Vassell's pitch is also the like. Do you know what helps a somewhat struggling wing defender? Giving them another excellent wing defender, like yeah. Culver, as much as you would like to say the Lakers, some people would find that he wasn't what you expect on, on defense. Like he was also put in an extremely difficult situation. Yeah. And in a situation that changed midway through the year. Um, not only was he like given a probably outsized defensive assignment for a rookie, um, not only was he dealing with like the mental components of a shooting struggle and a shooting, you know, uh, surgery, you also have like a defense that doesn't make any sense. And giving somebody who is uh, like like just a detective on defense capable of, you know, making rotations that you would point out in a film room of like, if you were really like, if you had the ability to stop time, you could probably make this rotation. Devin Vassell makes that rotation really regularly. And because team defense is a component skill, adding another person like that is value added to Culver. It's also value added to Towns because he's going to have less responsibility to communicate because you've added another good team defender. And, you know, you, it's easier to, if the team defense works, it's easier for D'Lo to goad people into mid-range jumpers. Yeah. Like, absolutely. this fit makes so much sense in so many different ways that, like, I, if Minnesota doesn't do it in either a trade-down form or um, or, a, or, 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 a trade up, or a trade-up from the second. Yeah. Half. 17, yeah. If that doesn't happen, it's... Because it, at least to me, partially because Carl Anthony Towns picked somebody else. Yeah. Please, because it just makes so much sense. Please in so many swap different. with the Knicks and take him at seven. Like, yeah, it, it would be so perfect. Eight, yeah. right? Knicks are eight. Neither seven, aren't they? Or are they? Eight? I thought Detroit. I thought Detroit was seven. The, uh, seven. Uh, yeah. Okay. Eight. Yeah. Yeah. Eight. Either way, he's gonna be there. I think. I mean. He's yeah, I think so he'll probably. Yeah, yeah, unless Atlanta takes him. Should talk about some. Uh, Another guy who they probably won't take in. Yeah, like, a guy who's far more realistic. At, yeah, he's far more realistic at honestly. Well, I think he's very much in the play at seventeen. Probably. I think he's going to go before seventeen. Yeah, from from what I have gained from from speaking to people, I think that it's going to go before seventeen. That seems like a fair interpretation of yeah. uh, how much people would like to move into like the back end of the lottery to take their own personal swings. Yeah, um, I think he's kind of pitch for him really high. Yes. Sure. In this imagining a world where they had like take him, you know, either first or fourth or fifth or whatever. Sure. Hey, so this Carl Anthony uh, Towns thing isn't gonna work. Like you guys, almost no matter what you do, like this is not gonna work. He's gonna want to go out. Uh, so you might as well get the biggest catch you can. Like eventually you're gonna have to deal D'Lo. Eventually you're gonna have to deal Carl Anthony Towns. So why not take the highest ceiling in the draft? Why not take somebody who like could potentially really be something um, in a way that maybe everybody else can't like. Lamelo is an archetype we've sort of seen before. Uh, Anthony Edwards is an archetype we've sort of seen before. Poku isn't. That might be terrifying. It probably isn't going to work, but it will certainly be something. That sounds like yeah. a very, very good way to get fired. Yeah, I don't really agree with that pitch. I mean, uh, I mean, like I theoretically, conceptually, I get it. But it's it's just too much for me. Like first of all, I I'm probably less of a believer in Poku ceiling than a lot of people. I think Max is probably the same way, if even lower than I am. I mean, pretty, I think a lot of it, even with Towns, like 
Yeah, I mean, like he he gives you a lot of what you want, like like de- like defensive playmaker. Though he's you know play to play basis, he's not going to be what you want. But you know, certainly the the disruptor and the playmaker, you know, from a more splashy basis that you want next to Towns. And just offensively, having like two like six foot eleven plus players with the movement shooting capabilities of of Towns and Poku. Obviously, you know, Poku not going to be anywhere near the shooter of Towns, but with certainly could have the volume and that could be really devastating and then overwhelming for defenses to try to defend. Um, I mean, I, I, there's obviously lots of holes uh, with, with, you know, Poku himself and that fit, but I think there's, there are some interesting things that you could do, but I don't know. Like number one is just, the fit is fascinating. The fit is like, very almost, fascinating. The, the fit is, yeah. The fit is um, like defensively almost perfect. Um, yeah. Because you have somebody that like is, both a four and a five and could switch with like cat on a like cat would do take the physicality aspect of the five, but then wouldn't have to necessarily do the shot blocking or even like the rotational, like, cause that's something that I, I feel like cat struggles with is just getting there to spots. Yeah. It seems to be, that's Poku's legitimate speciality. Yeah. Uh, you have a, you know, a blocks and steals maven who can shoot, who is also a offensive creator to reduce cats um, on ball time, giving him more opportunity to, you could run both Cat and D'Angelo off flare screens at the same time in different yeah. sides of the floor from different angles. Like, there's so both much that Cat could and be off flare screens at the same time. Yeah, like, you have options to do, like, legitimately really fun things. And, well, like, one is most likely too high. Like, to me, there's not really a number where I would be comfortable taking Boku. But I'm also a person who, like, if you see something special, you just do it. If, you know, if there's an option to do it at eight or whatever, fine, if you have that kind of intel. But like I would be pretty fine with taking a tremendous swing, just looking at Carl Anthony Towns and be like, "Hey, um, so you're here for three more years. Um, I believe this kid by year three is going to be, you know, great. This is where we are." Yeah, I the reason I wouldn't take Poku at one is because I don't, I don't think that he has that creator ceiling. However, I do find this fit to be fascinating, and I kind of want them to do it because I I want to see it. I want to see them try yeah, it. That'll be fun. Um, I think he could return enough value for it to be approximating worthwhile if if he really works out at number one. Uh, so it's not the Denny situation where I don't think even totally optimized Denny's going to return that level of impact. I think Poku, in especially in this fit, definitely could. Um, and yeah, I mean, we, it would just be, they'd be able to do things that we've never seen before. Um I mean, could you imagine like the off-ball game with Poku and Towns? Just like, unbelievable. What do you do? Like, like, what do you what do you do with that? Um, yeah, uh, it would be bizarre and possibly like entirely unstoppable. I think that Poku, yeah, the the rim protection from him with his ability to cover ground would be pretty perfect next to Towns. I think he brings less on. Um, sort of where Vassell really excels on the just like little stunts and stuff like that. I, I think that, you know, he's not the guy who's operating at the nail, shutting off all these drives, but what he brings as a playmaker at the rim is really special with the way he can cover ground. And I think that that is something that towns that would help towns a ton in a, in a different way, but still be very effective. Um, so yeah, if you could I, walk out of this draft fascinating towns, to see. If you could walk out of this draft with uh, Vassell and Poku, I would oh sell literally God. everything that's not nailed down. Um, legitimately, yeah. that would like there's no. I don't think there's a combination of players that would produce a more synchronistic fit for this particular team 
Um, you would also need to get like D'Antoni here immediately, just because mm-hmm. like yeah. this is the world he always wanted was you know yeah. fours and fives who could like actually play make not play make for fours and fives, but like yeah, go run whatever you want. Yeah, you would need a creative and daring mind uh, steering the ship, but I mean that would be fascinating. That would be that would be one of the like bolder team making things that we've seen, and it had like had the potential of it. Like I, I'd be all the way back in on on Minnesota long term. Uh, they they would have a chance to be to do something pretty special with that. All right, so should we talk about um, our your thoughts, your guys' thoughts on Killian Hayes here? Because I know all of us are very high on, on Hayes, but you know it doesn't seem like he's going to be realistically in play for the number one pick. But what are your thoughts on you know either of you? What are your thoughts on on Hayes as a fit next to Russell and Towns here in Minnesota? I can leave this one. Um, yeah, go for it, PD. So for me, Hayes is Hayes with. Uh, the other core two is uh, it's maximizing cat. It's going to maximize Killian and it's not going to maximize D'Angelo. Um, because I think that like with D'Angelo's uh, advantage creation and Killian's legitimate ability to do so, like he's going to be more on ball. And then comes the age question of how good of a shooter is D'Angelo Russell, um, which like that's not necessarily the ideal role for him. And then like, also if you're going to have Killian, you're going to run a lot of high pick and roll and that's going to get pretty static. Um, and you know, then we're back to the same like wing concerns and Culver's carrying a huge defensive burden where he may have to guard big wings. It's not a fit that I love. Like I understand it. Like I, I think Killian is a fantastic prospect and, um, and think that like he has the ceiling for this pick, but the fit doesn't make a ton of sense. And it also doesn't seem to fit any of the boxes that the other ones do. It's like, this isn't a short-term play. It's not a long-term play. It doesn't, make perfect sense across any route. Like it's not the best circumstance for cats, not the best circumstance for the draft pick. It's not the best circumstance for, for D'Angelo. And to me, this sort of just seems like a, a wait and see, and maybe they, you know, either move D'Angelo around or, or switch around the, the chairs on the Titanic. It just doesn't, it doesn't uh, invigorate me in the way that some of these other options did. I feel like that's that's kind of the point of suggesting that it's like something that kind of could happen that it that it's uninspired but like understandable I think and and it like it's just not that risky right you're just sort of taking a, a wait and see approach with both him and D'Angelo and it's very conventional you're gonna have like your traditional pick and roll ball handler between the two of them um, I think that the in the short term you would just probably need to accelerate Killian's growth as an off-ball player in a way that's unreasonable to expect, even though I think in time we all think that he could get there uh, to being a good one. But, but um, you know, his value is always, of course, going to come as primarily an on-ball offensive player. I think defensively is what I like about this a lot, that he could take I mean, the, but it's it's another situation where it's really not an optimization because you probably don't want Killian taking the number one perimeter assignment on every other team. But but I do think he's one of the better nail defenders in this in this class, and I think that he can really disrupt uh, from that position on the floor. So I think it would be very helpful in that sense. But yeah, it's just, it, I think that the it maximizes no one idea is is kind of the the main thing to focus on. Um, I think if you told me like I had to pick one of my tier one guys to take at number one, which is Killian, Lamelo, and Ant, 
I think it would kind of by default be Killian because I think it's just has the highest chance to be non-disastrous in the short term. Um, And that's, you know, what you have to, that's you to salvage this whole situation. That's what you need. Um, So if you kind of boxed me into that, I think I would go for Killian. Um, But I I don't know. How how do you guys feel about that? Like if you, if you sort of restricted yourself, and you weren't allowed to choose from these more off the wall options. What would you do? So say it, 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 say it's between Lamelo and and which is what I think it is in real life. And you can throw Killian in there. What would you guys do? I would probably take Ant because I think I, they're probably going to take Ant. <laughs> I'd probably take Lamelo just because you have that's the guy I believe has the highest ceiling in, in like a post cat world. That's who I'd want. I mean, with, with Killian, I like I I echo a lot of what you guys say. I think it's just fine. Like, like, I think a lot of it works. Like, like you said, like the nail defense is, is additive there. Um, certainly can, you know, the playmaking helps. But, yeah, I mean, a guy who can't play really off ball in the short term, you like, compounds a lot of your defensive problems. I mean, it's like killing would certainly help them in a lot of ways, but, like, it's just, like, not super inspiring. Uh, and it lacks, like, at least to me, lacks the upside of, like, a LaMelo pick. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I'd probably go with LaMelo, but, like, I, I wouldn't leave bad an eye at Killian or, or Ant. I mean, I, I'd get the rationale behind all three of them. Are there any other guys that you think could, like, maybe come into play? Or do you think we've there's no all? world where they ever take Wiseman, right? I mean, no, I think I I, I think, think that that's or, kind or of God forbid Obi. <laughs> I, there's no way. I don't. I mean, that seems more conceivable to me than Wiseman, but. There's no way. Like, I, I don't think that Onyeka factors in, right? No, no I don't think so. I don't – Maxi obviously won't. Like, Cole, I don't think will. I mean, they wouldn't They wouldn't do Halliburton, right? No way. No, they don't have creators for it. No, like, I know we wouldn't do Halliburton. Like, but no, I just think that, uh, I think that they're going to put him in, like, a one-on-one workout. He's going to get eaten alive. Like, that's just – like, a lot of, like – if you get considered for that number one pick, like you're going to do that workout and they're just going to be like, all right, beat, you know, whoever off the bounce and it's mm-hmm. going to be a problem. I just don't, yeah. I, I don't think that he's like to do that. He'd have to murder workouts mm-hmm. or like have, you know, just like a ridiculous physical transformation. And I don't, enti- I don't see that happening. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, yeah. I mean, that's kind of all we have on the Timberwolves guys. I mean, I don't think there's anybody else that we're really missing. No, but I think we should definitively say if they stay at number one, who each of us would take. Among realistic options? Um, no, no. If no. you if you no. if you were the Timberwolves lead decision maker, you had the number um, one overall pick. Okay. You can do with it as you please. Can um, I do what I please with the rest of the roster? Like, can I trade D'Angelo? No, no. You, no. you okay. D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns are there for as long as they want okay. to be. I can't. Um, you can't. Yeah, you can't do that. Um, I mean, I guess you could you could say like you're gonna trade Culver or something like that because I think that's something that they could conceivably do. But whatever. But but um, yeah. So you're locked into Towns and D'Lo, uh, yeah. but otherwise you can do as you please. Um, Assume, yeah. Assuming yeah. I'm locked into Towns, I'd probably say Vassell. Uh, no, locked into D'Lo. I mean, I, I'd probably say Vassell. Yeah. PD. Uh, Vassell. I mean, they're gonna take Ant, but it's Vassell. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would take a Coro, but the, I think the case for Vassell is really strong as well. Yeah. Um, I'll say if I, I, I if, if I could move Dilo, I take Lamelo, but I know I can't. So. Yeah, I w- 
Yeah, it would be between Lamelo and Killian for me if I could move D'Lo. Um, yeah. That would be a tough decision. I would. I think I would lean Lamelo in their case, uh, but that would be a tough decision. Yeah. Um, all right. So I guess that's all we have on the Wolves. Yeah. Yeah. We have like PD has one catching eye guy. So PD, wanted to talk about your guy. Yeah, I uh, wanted to uh, talk about Mike Saunders uh, from Cincinnati. Uh, 2020 uh, high school class played point guard at uh, Wasatch Academy. Uh, listed at six foot, I don't think he's six foot. Uh, one of the fastest guys in the NCAA next year. Uh, I remember this jump. guy. Yeah, yeah he, has, he has the pure speed. He is yeah. so fast. I remember watching him after what was it? Cam Pern wrote about him for the Steffi, and he is he's kind of wild. Um, and I, I, I mean, he played against Cole Anthony too. Um, that team has all of the top prospects in Utah, right? They all they all go to that to yeah, Wasatch. Yeah, I mean, so like they had um, they had uh, Maddie Sissoko, who's going to Michigan State. They have not from Utah, but like they have a uh, Pop Pop, who is from Vegas, but uh, Richard Isaac's son. Uh, Richard Isaacs, they have. Yeah, uh, they have uh, Loner and uh, and Sanders. They have a Saunders and a Sanders, uh, both of whom are going to BYU. Uh, they play like a million miles an hour. Uh, they all of the Ailani games are up on um, on YouTube if anybody wants to watch. Developing shooter, uh, really wonderful hard nosed point guard, and has like an absolutely elite skill. Um, he quick finishes like guards, which is nuts. Like Division one guards can't stay in front of him enough that he can just like scoop finish out of it. Seventy seven percent free throw shooter, like mid thirties or uh, uh, mid to high thirties for threes. I like the the jumper long term, and he's just somebody that every time I watch him play, uh, I'm excited to see more. Uh, since the guy's going to have him and Tari Eason along with the, all the returners from last year, um, uh, they're building something at Cincinnati. And Saunders is somebody that I am incredibly excited to watch because uh, he jumps off the screen. Yeah, I yeah, remember I mean, watching. I mean, he's yeah, he's crazy fast. Like it's. It's really incredible, um, and that and, and then that's on a team with like a but with like big time recruits with some other like high major players, and he is fast. Um, He's also really like the way that Wasatch plays is very one more heavy, so like it's not uncommon to have like four one mores in one possession, and so like I really like young guards that can penetrate, kick, and then relocate, and so you'll see a lot of threes where like he burns a guy. Like, just absolutely lets him on fire, drives, gets to, like, pinpoints it to the weak side. Then, you know, there'll be a one more, and then he'll relocate back and hit a three from the corner. And that sort of instinct bodes really well for me, especially as a guy who, like, struggled a little more as, as a shooter and is developing uh, as his high school years go on. Um, he's not going to be a one-and-done guy. But, like, if you have interest in Sharif Cooper, I would also recommend checking out Mike Saunders because they're sort of the same vein of these small guards who, like, are just blurs. And get yeah. shots off that no one expects them to. He's a little bit more um, uh, like wired for the cause than Sharif is. Like Sharif has to do a lot more by himself. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just you know how you particularly like your point guards wired. Um, but he's a guy that I think is going to put up unexpectedly good numbers in Cincinnati as a freshman. Yeah. His shot kind of takes an eternity though, right? Like right now. It's pretty yeah, slow. but he can get it off the dribble. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean. He creates enough separation with his footwork um, on sidesteps and stuff. Um, he's he's getting it off versus high level competition. 
Um, the finishing is the, the the issue when people go body to body just because he's, he's on the thin side. Yeah. Um, but the floater is nice enough. I just it's it's a intriguing package for a guy who I just like think is going to play twelve years of professional basketball. Um, yeah. And like whatever level that may be is going to be determined by how good of a shooter he is. But yeah. the indicators are there. The winning is there. The just the nose for angles and reads. It's it's a really fun package for a guy who like wasn't thought particularly highly of for reasons that are very far beyond me. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what he turns into as in, in at it yeah. during his time at, at Cincy, which I'm sure will be multiple years. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, talk about having special traits. Uh, most yeah. certainly does. Mm-hmm. Um, Max, do anybody? Any, uh, no one I'll, comes to mind. I'll quickly mention that Rocco Perkisian is the greatest prospect of all time, and we can end on that. I, I, I did see uh, our friend Jake uh, Jake Rosen posted him megging someone, uh, and it was like it was a, it was megging someone from like far away too. It was pretty. Yeah, it was impressive. like a uh, it was like a it was like a third court meg. It it, it, it it's really fun. He's really yeah it, yeah. It was impressive. It's always I, nice. I, It's always great when you see a teenager uh, uh, just bull rush somebody out of the way and then just one arm shove them to the ground. There's that baseline clip from the most recent game. And just takes a grown man and with one arm and just sort of like yeah. pushes him into the dirt on the way to a layup. Yeah. That's, ins- that's, that's inspiring. I mean, the one that you, you always think of is like the one in the U16 title game versus Spain where he just like destroys Garuba with like a one-handed poster. Um, <laughs> yeah. Max, your homework for the weekend or whenever is to watch Rocco and then put him top five. Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what my schedule for the weekend is. I'm I'm gonna try to watch some some Sharif. I'm I need to decide if I'm in or out on Sharif. You're probably gonna be out. That's gonna be. I I, well, I don't know. I've gone back. What no. PD? I said Sharif is going to be one of the great. Um like week to week updates starting the season because like when he shoots like when he mm-hmm. shoots it's just like this all makes so much sense he has ridiculous finishing he yeah. hangs in the air for like ever. he's su- he's such an unbelievable finisher it's it's it, his, he, he lives has at the, like rim. the greatest he has the greatest body control like ever yeah like he he lives at the rim and like he's like five foot ten and he's like an unbelievable finisher it's and just it's, it's the really great. Is, is it, the footwork is uncannily good and he it's is never good. Yeah, it's too good. He's fearless. I mean, PD, if if, if Sharif shoots forty percent on six three point attempts per game at Auburn, what number pick will he be next year? Oh my god, uh, it's <laughs> just flat forty. It's not higher than uh, like we're talking like the forty includes like some like a whole bunch of self created stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah, he will. It's yeah. On, oh, yeah. yeah, six six attempts a game, and it's it's Sharif. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're gonna be they're gonna be tough shots. Uh, he's going in the lottery. Yeah, I think he's going higher than just the lottery. I think he's higher than just the lottery. If yeah. he shoots, I mean, honestly, honestly, at that point, I mean, he can make a case for it. I think. Yeah, I mean, like top twelve. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I I mean, it depends how these other guys turn out. I think he would go very high. Um. And that's that's I feel like that's kind of the case for Sharif um, because like I mean there there there's a chance that he's that kind of like offensive engine. Uh, he's some some aspects no, of the yeah. game are very impressive. Um, it's very hard yeah, to I, watch him at times and, and not think of Chris Paul. Like it's it's one of those things that when you watch him move, you're just like, there's a lot of Chris Paul here, and I'm like a little bit uncomfortable. 
Like, because you think yeah. it's just not an aspersion you want to cast on an undersized guy. He's he's ridiculous. I mean, but in so many ways, but also just I don't know. Yeah, that's what like I, I, I think. I, he's just he's very interesting to me in that like i so like when i when i first saw him was not a fan um like didn't think that the shooting was there at that level and and you know what if that's not there the whole thing kind of falls apart even though he does have special finishing and he's a pretty ridiculous passer but like it kind of falls apart if the shooting's not there but i've become more open to him and if the if all of those things are at like are there at a consistent level at the level that he flashes you could be looking at a pretty special offensive player. And I just, I, yeah, I, I just find him to be interesting among a strong class of guys that are kind of not like that, where they're all just like six, nine freaks. Um, they're all just like six, nine geniuses. Um, and then you have this little five eleven guy, but maybe I'm really he's excited just amazing. At, I'm really excited to watch him at Auburn. Really excited. Yeah. So am I. All right. Anything else we have? No, I don't think so. No. All right. We're going to wrap it up there. Uh, thank you again to PD for coming on. Follow him on Twitter at Above the Break 3. Read all of his work. It's it, If you are a listener of this podcast and not a reader of his work, I, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, is there anything that you want to plug or say, PD? Yeah. Um, if you could spend a little bit of time reading uh, The Heuristic Part 3, which focuses on Cole Anthony, Tyrell Terry, and Trey Jones. Uh, I'm here to uh, hype up Trey Jones in a way that other people have seemingly failed. All right, so read that for, for that perspective. As always, you can follow the pod at prep number two pro pod. We'll have plenty of fun content coming with, you know, actual. We, we, it seems we have very quickly gone from uh, fishing for content to now the draft is in seven weeks and college basketball is a week after. So that'll, that'll be fun for, for all of you. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore. You can follow Max at Max A. Carlin. And with that, I think we're good to end, yeah. All right, we'll see you all next week.